Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Shopping for humans is hard. Shopping for your dog is easy thanks to Bark. Every month we deliver toys and treats just for your dog. Whether it's fun, plush, or tough toys for heavy chewers, we spoil all the dogs. Subscribe now and get a free upgrade at barkbox.com slash iHeart. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great tasting all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Brakes? We can save you 15% on that. We have OE quality Duralast brake pads and rotors in stock, ready for pickup or delivery. We also have calipers, brake fluid, tools, and anything else you'll need to do the job right. When you get Duralast pads and rotors together, you'll save 15%. It's just part of what makes us America's number one brakes destination. Hey everyone, it's Johnny from the Johnny Drinks Podcast. If you like what you hear, please feel free to share with a friend, leave a review, a little goes a long way. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome everybody to the Johnny Drinks Podcast. I'm your co-host Johnny. I'm here with my father. This is John. My sister, Victoria. Hello. And Dr. Santoshi. That's correct. That was it, right? <laughs> yeah, wow, that's I, correct. I nailed that one. It only took me 10 tries. So we were just talking about your entire, I guess, med school journey, correct? Mm-hmm. Why don't you take us back a little bit and explain where you started, where you went to school, where you finished up, and sort of what you're doing now. Right. So as we were speaking earlier before we started recording, I am originally from India. We moved here when I was really young. Actually, we left India when I was two and I grew up in Dubai and Abu Ooh. Dhabi. So I've, I've really been everywhere. Wow. <laughs> and then when I was 10, we moved to the Bay Area. So I grew up in Sunnyvale, California. Um, and then I went to UCLA for undergrad. I actually majored in neuroscience, interestingly. Um, always loved neurology. Did not think I'd be going towards epilepsy, but I'll talk more about how that happened. I went to med school in the Caribbean at Ross University. Um, basically, how Caribbean med schools are set up is you spend two years on the island doing the actual, like, like learning part of it. Um, And then you come back to the States and you do your clinicals, which is another two years. I did mine in New York City. So I lived in Brooklyn um, in my early 20s. So that was fun. And then I did my residency at Duke University in North Carolina, Mm -hmm. my neurology residency, which is four years. And then I came back to New York to do my fellowship Mm -hmm. in epilepsy for two years at Columbia. So yeah, you're counting. <laughs> it's a lot. No, that's that's four, wow, four that's years so of college, four years of college, four years of med school, four years of residency, and wow. two years of fellowship oh training. My wow. God, that's and a years? lot of student debt. Yes. Estimate without getting into what do you, what's an education in an investment? Obviously, what is that? 
what does that cost? Yeah, no, that's that's a really good question. So between me and my friends, um, the average is between three hundred thousand and five hundred thousand. Five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't that high, and I'm very oh lucky. I had help from family, but not a lot of people do. And again, like when you're in your training, you're not really making a lot of money. Residents and fellows are making like $50,000 a year, which, oh my you know, God. so, wow. so it adds up. It adds up. Wow. It's a lot of hard work. Um, but yeah, don't go into medicine unless you really, wow. really enjoy it. Passion. That's interesting. Well, I guess we have to, we have to mention why Victoria is on this podcast. So Victoria was diagnosed with epilepsy three years ago, November 21. November 21. Well, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. November 21. Yeah. Right. So we wanted to have her on the pod. We wanted to have Victoria on the podcast regardless. Who is Victoria? We- Victoria. Who is she? I just said she's my sister. Oh, did you say that? I did. Yeah. Oh, you did. You should listen to my daughter. Me podcast, is, yeah. My firstborn. Can I talk about when she was born? I'll never forget the day <laughs> she was born. I actually videoed that. Did, I- did you know that? I did. I've seen it. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Not. You did? That's yeah. She days. wouldn't That's put it down, days. I don't think. When I drove to the hospital, I held it in my hand and I my wife giving birth well on the way to the hospital I should say that was um, probably a precursor to what we're doing today foreshadowing a lot of the selfies yeah (laughs) interesting (laughs) so right Victoria has epilepsy my dad was then on the epilepsy what foundation board yeah we both are now right in New Jersey Mm -hmm. uh, right yep yeah so we I think are genuinely curious and interested to learn more about what goes into it because we have a you know an emotional tie now to the disease. So I, I I mean, why did you get into epilepsy after neurology? Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. Um, I've been asked that a lot. So I always loved neurology. Um, the brain I thought was always fascinating. I'm sure we can all agree that it's super complex and super cool. It's variable from person to person. Um, epilepsy kind of is something that I developed a lot of um, interest in during residency. How residency works is you do a little bit of everything, right? So you figure out what where your interest is if you do want to do more training in that specific area. I really enjoyed epilepsy because I thought it was really interesting how, you know, the neurons in your brain can hypersynchronize in such a way that it can present as a seizure. And epilepsy from person to person is so different. And not everyone has like the big Hollywood seizures, as I tell my patients, where you fall to the ground, you shake, um, you get all hysterical. That's the way the movie's presented. And that's just not true. Uh, The vast majority of people with epilepsy have very different types of seizures. It's different from person to person. Um, And I also really enjoyed epilepsy because not only is it interesting, it's also something that's treatable. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. when you consider neurological conditions, a lot of people think, okay, you just diagnosed, there's not a lot of treatment for a lot of those. And for some of them, there aren't like something like like Alzheimer's, you can't really cure that. Right. And although you can't really cure epilepsy either, a lot of people have long-term seizure Mm -hmm. remission and you actually can have resolution of epilepsy by definition. If you haven't had seizures in about 10 years, it's a resolved diagnosis. So I was interested in the fact that you could actually treat it. Um, and yeah. And then I just, the more I learned about it, the more interesting it got. Um, I, f- I find the people with epilepsy to be really nice to interact with as well. Um, a lot of the time, they're just like you and me. They just happen to have epilepsy on top of it, right. too. So they're, you know, very eager to learn more about their condition. They want to get help. They interact with you really nicely. Um, a lot of my patients are really young and really nice. So it's, I think it's been good. Yeah. When you say 
you know, it's, it's not curable, but it's treatable type of thing. It reminds me of like every autoimmune disease as well. And I think exactly. in America, it's like way more prevalent. So do you notice any sort of tie between the two? Yeah, yeah. So it's actually a really good question because there are such a thing or there is such a thing as autoimmune encephalitis or epilepsy secondary to autoimmune conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, I mean, what is an autoimmune condition, right? It's when your body accidentally attacks parts of your body that it shouldn't be attacking because mm-hmm. it thinks it's a foreign object. Um, in autoimmune encephalitis, your immune system starts attacking the brain and you start having seizures. And that's just because your immune system's confused. Essentially, that's just what an autoimmune condition is, your body attacking itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a lot of overlay. And yes, you can't really cure it. Uh, the only way to really treat it is to suppress your immune system, which Long term, you know, that's a discussion with your doctor in terms of risks and benefits, because if you suppress your immune system, you're making yourself available to other other conditions. But um, yeah, so it is treatable, but not always curable. And a lot of our medical conditions, you know, unfortunately are the same way, I think. Do you notice a lot of people with epilepsy have associated autoimmune symptoms like IBS and epilepsy or there there is an overlap um i'm not sure there've been significant studies to suggest how many how much of an overlap there is and the only reason is because there's so many different autoimmune conditions yeah. like how many are you going to look at um but in my experience i've seen a lot of people with autoimmune conditions and also subsequent epilepsy got it so that t- like the tying into different illnesses mm-hmm. or i guess symptoms is what intrigues me because i've seen victoria like this chicken or the egg, right? It's the cycle of having seizure, anxious about having seizure, another seizure. Like mm-hmm. is, is is one causing the other? And do you notice some sort of like resolving one does benefit the other? Yeah, I think so. I mean, certainly anxiety can feed into the seizure cycle. So anxiety. you think something does trigger the epilepsy I think it seizures. can, yeah, of okay. course. Um, anxiety, stress, that does put a burden on your brain, right? It can lower your seizure thresholds. And interestingly, there are studies now looking into gut microbiome and its relation to epilepsy. So mm. there's a lot we don't know, but certainly a lot of patients I've seen have presented in the same yeah, way. Yeah, I, so. I was going to say like anxiety. Ooh. You're good. Like anxiety, like that causes some of my seizures, like it triggers me or like panic attacks, like that'll just not all the time, but it definitely is what causes some of my seizures. Definitely. And it's interesting interesting because, you know, Victoria's born in 1994. She had her first episode in 2021. So here's, for lack of a better, a very healthy young person, child, you know, developing into a young adult now into an adult and out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like, how, how does that even happen? How does, you know, what's yeah. the understanding or explanation scientifically about about where it all of a sudden shows up one well, day? Well, I told her it was my stomach first. We started from the stomach. I would always go out. I would always drink. My stomach, it would be pain, like needle pain, throw up, everything. Like very nonspecific. Very, right? Just like every time. Issues right. And-, and I'll never forget it. It was like I was up all night one time. Uh, we had no idea. So then that's when we went to neurologist, something. And they told me I had like epilepsy with the stomach, like abdominal epilepsy. We were like, okay. So mm-hmm. then that's when we moved up and then we got the EEGs and all that. And then that's when I was actually diagnosed and they told me I was mm-hmm. diagnosed with epilepsy. But you actually had an episode you're reflecting back. Well, I'm reflecting Sy- back to maybe like Syracuse when we were in Syracuse. Right, 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 right. Your that stomach. That bad one, yes. Right. But that was, but 
does that make sense to you that she would have what what I understand as a lay person in having the seizure, the Hollywood seizure, a grand mile, right? Is that what they call it? Well, so now it's called generalized tonic clonic, but a grand mal is still fine. That's what people understand it as. Yeah. Okay. That's what they understand. So the Hollywood seizure is his grand mal mm-hmm. seizure. Okay. And Victoria had that episode in 2021. And it wasn't until you rewind and say, okay, well, what were some of the symptoms and the tells and the things that led up to maybe that moment to try to figure out that she's referring to her stomach pains and some cramps? Is that something also you, you've you found? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, thank you for sharing. That's a yeah, really yeah, like, yeah. interesting presentation. Yeah, yeah no. I, it's not super common. No, it's yeah. not. And it's they were telling me also that that's when, you know, the brain's get a brain, tell the stomach, like, hey- something's going up up here that we do not like. So that's where the stomach pain came from. And mm. I found it, we all found it very interesting because you would never know, you know, like yeah, exactly. messages back and forth in the body is just crazy to me. Yeah. And like the brain and the gut are super related. We know that now. Yes. Um, we well, don't know yeah. exactly to what extent, but it is a very interesting, right. atypical, as we call it, presentation. But that's also why I do like epilepsy, right? Everything's yeah. so different. Yeah. Um, and I learn something new every day. Right. Yeah. That's exactly like uh, this whole journey was me just learning like new things about the body. Mm. Right. It was crazy. I mean, I'm starting to enjoy it too because, you know, not, you know, the seizure part, just, the history of it and like what how does the brain work like very comp the brain is very complex so it's just yeah. interesting mm-hmm. i had no idea to connect it to the stomach mm-hmm. very it was just very like mm. interesting like whoa like, right who would know no one yeah. would know that so, so if there's if there's studies being done because i think again what's very interesting actually that victoria had issues in the stomach and then the brain and there's like this gut brain axis all four of us have i have crohn's my sister Diana struggles with IBS. Joe st- struggles with IBS. So there's something clearly underlying. And I know for me, like I was diagnosed like 15, but mm-hmm. I always dealt with stresses, anxieties, insecurities. And then that led up to what was like my um, teetering moment, which is like a crazy. And then I got um, diagnosed. So it seems like she was the same way. Do you notice things now that could become potentially like preventative? Like, hey, this person is susceptible to epilepsy. They should be doing this to avoid ever having a seizure. Yeah, no, again, that's a really good question. In terms of autoimmune conditions like Crohn's um, or other gut related stuff, it it is hard to identify that, okay, you are prone or you are going to have a seizure. Let's put you on a medication prophylactically. The reality is not everyone presents in that way. Um, and if you put everyone on medication prophylactically or do prophylactic EEGs, and prophylactic just means doing it just in case, mm-hmm. then you're going to be wasting a lot of people's time, money, and resources mm-hmm. because not everyone ends up in that um, position. But if someone you know like you, who's young um, and was having nonspecific symptoms, if you right. came to someone like me who does see patients with epilepsy, I probably would have done an EEG a little sooner because anytime we have paroxysmal events, paroxysmal right. events mean like episodes that are unexplained. Um, epilepsy is always something that should be considered. And going back to what you you asked about, you know, how she okay for all this period of time and then all of a sudden now she's having seizures unfortunately that is the way the majority of patients with epilepsy present i think there's a misconception that oh if you have epilepsy you're born with it 
Um, you're born with, as people call fits, like as a newborn baby, you know, mm. and then people also have this misconception that kids with epilepsy, you know, just deteriorate. There are these kids that we see wearing helmets and not progressing right. in school, things like that. When the reality is the majority of the patients are like you, you know what I mean? Um, and actually the di first diagnosis of epilepsy is bimodal. So we make it the most in younger women and older adults. And the reason for that is hormones hormones <laughs> yes and not just women i should say young men and yes, women anyone men, yes. in like the adolescent years going through puberty that's always like the first time you yeah. make a diagnosis and then in older adults it's because their brain has lived a life um they've had mm. strokes dementias you know injuries to the head right. that puts them at risk for new onset seizures so there actually is like oh. what we call a bimodal distribution so young and old hmm. so it's okay. not uncommon do, do you think i'm sorry okay. the, if you were to look at, and you've done this, case study. All right, mm -hmm. so cases of epilepsy today, past 10 years versus 10, 20 years ago, up, down, flatline, where do yeah. you see them? I mean, I think it's definitely grown. And it's it's a, it's good that you asked this because on my way here, I was looking at the numbers and I'm, you know, just to have it prepared. The number I kept seeing is 3.4 million people in the United States, 65 million people worldwide. And I'm like, well, how old is this information? That's from 2015. I mean, there's mm. definitely more people now. Yeah. And then if you tie into the fact that there are undiagnosed people, there are people who are stigmatized, so they don't like reveal their diagnosis or aren't getting treatment for it. It's a lot more. Uh, I think the statistic is one in 26 people will have a seizure in their lifetime. But the reality is it's probably more than that, I wow. think. Right. Yeah. Why do you think it's increasing? Uh, I think there's just been more awareness for no, it. I agree. I, I think I think more I've known even now like people mm -hmm. that have random seizures i i see it a lot more yeah and it's like crazy well night. you're probably talking to a lot more people now because you're in the well community. yeah but like people i know like you know people like fat like just like random people mm -hmm. just know i'm like that's crazy and so, i yeah I, yeah it's I, crazy. I think talking about it is good right because that making it okay to talk about it um oh yeah i love i like talking about it to people just who don't have it because i think it needs to be talked about more People right. don't really know no, much. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I don't think people know much to like, you know, there's just so much more to it than seizures. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, definitely. Well, you mentioned, I mean, so, so you don't think, you think the numbers are rising only because we're diagnosing more. You don't think there's like a factor to why people are? No, I don't think so. I think doctors are testing more for it okay. just because there is more awareness. Right. Um, I mean, population's also gone up. So incidence mm. is going to go higher. Um, but I don't think more people are developing epilepsy. I, I think people are developing it at the same rate as they always have. Got it. Okay. Um, or being born with it at the same rate they always have. We just have more options for genetic testing, more options for like actual EEG testing and blood and serum testing. So I think people are just becoming more aware. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I've, I have a ton of questions about the um, the mi gut microbiome and everything. But mm -hmm. before we do that, I just want to take a quick commercial break. I'll be right back. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Shopping for humans is hard. Shopping for your dog is easy, thanks to Bark. Every month, we deliver toys and treats just for your dog. They deserve to be spoiled anyway. At Bark, we send your dog a whole new collection of toys and treats made just for them every single month. Whether it's our fun plush toys from BarkBox or our ultra-tough toys from Super Chewer, we give your dog exactly what they want. For a limited time, we'll double your first box for free. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com iHeart. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. And we are back with Dr. Santoshi and Victoria. I was about to say Victoria Rondi, but it's actually it. Victoria Koshi. Yeah. She's been married <laughs> for a year now to my yes. brother-in-law. Yes. Brother that is a good guess. That would be your I was about to say stepbrother, but that's not. That'd be no, weird. Yeah. It would be brother-in-law. Um, brother-in-law. Okay, so we, we last were talking about the gut microbiome and association mm-hmm. with seizures. How, and this has been studied again with every autoimmunity and IBS. Do you find there's a specific diet to help improve the gut microbiome that then helps improve at least epileptic epileptic symptoms? Yeah, I don't think that's been determined yet, to be honest with you. Um, the brain gut connection is something that people are definitely exploring. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely think there is a connection there. So it's worth exploring. I think in the next couple of years, more things are going to come out. But from what I've um, seen with patients that I've taken care of, there's no specific diet that yeah. actually prevents seizures or helps. It's whatever you find to be helpful. They right? told me keto in the beginning. So that <laughs> everyone, everyone loves keto. So <laughs> I didn't even, sorry, I didn't even try it because yeah, I'm like, that's yeah. not my. I usually tell patients if you have developed taste buds, keto yeah, might not be for I'm you. So it's easier sorry. to do in younger kids or right. people who are being tube fed because then you can just, you know. Right. Um, keto is a good diet for epilepsy. Um, it's one of the diets that has been proven to show seizure reduction. Mm-hmm. Keto, a modified Atkins um, for some people in low glycemic index. I mean, the the bullet point on all of those is lower refined carbs, right? Hmm, yeah. Um, but it's not for everyone. I think for specific GI symptoms, some of my patients have done well with gluten-free um, and like limiting their like dairy intake, but there's no real evidence for it. I just say <laughs> if it helps you, then do it. You know, there's nothing yeah. wrong with now, doing something I that was, helps. I was going to ask because Victoria is, what's the opposite of keto? High carb, <laughs> whatever that diet is, she's carbed out, right? I so, am. So, I'm yeah. the worst with you. <laughs> Sounds like so, a fun diet. So would- yeah. Uh, if keto can help, if a heavier carb diet, you know, is that hurting or is it not 
you know, impact. Yeah. I, I don't find personally, I don't think there's an impact on carbs, um, making your epilepsy worse. Mm. So if that's what makes you happy, then do it. Although if you <laughs> I find am a that big snacker <laughs> and I love fries. So, so all good and things. Carbs. Um, I know all the worst, but I know. realistically, if it's not making things worse, I think you're fine. I mean, some people will find that, right. See? There yeah. are, there are patients who will find, you know, Nitrites and deli meats, for some reason, well, make protein. Them I don't. Yeah, I can't. Or certain Something proteins will make it. They're always trying to get me protein, and I, I can't. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. I just can't. What do you like? Like all protein? Yeah, Start bacon. bacon. Oh. <laughs> Like, it depends, well, you know, it, you know, depends, but. Well, you said if, if it's not hurting, don't worry, but how do you know if it's hurting until you stop? So, yeah, I mean, you can do that, but most people f- identify a correlation, right? Like you were saying with alcohol, every time you have alcohol, your symptoms get triggered, which is not unusual for patients right. with epilepsy. But I think if something specific like French fries did that, you'd probably feel the same way. Um, right. <laughs> with that said, you know, there are people who will cut down their carbs to see if it's helpful. And I think that's fine to try as well. You know, right. I don't think as long as you're doing it in a safe way, um, you're not doing anything too extreme. If you're doing extreme diet changes, then you need a nutrition and nutritionist involved. Right. And you need to let your doctor know, because the other thing with keto is it can really cause issues with your cholesterol it can lead to kidney stones it can cause liver issues they were saying if you're not used to it then it's just not so anytime you're swinging the pendulum in terms of your diets definitely you need a nutritionist involved and you need to get your doctor involved but if you just want to cut out of like a little bit of i don't know carbs to see if it helps it's not a bad thing to try (laughs) yeah but but you don't have to (laughs) no 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 no. and that's that's sort of what my and I'm not, this isn't in, uh, like an interrogation on Victoria mm-hmm. or an intervention, but I'm hard pre- pressed to believe that diet and a healthy and fit lifestyle has nothing to do with the way you feel, right? So Victoria lives this life, life at base level of high carbs, not a lot of movement, doesn't work out. She doesn't know how good she could potentially feel, right? She, she struggles a lot with the brain fog once in a while, and mm-hmm. she may think that's just normal, but that's not normal at all. You know, that's not an associated maybe symptom of epilepsy, but it is something that could dramatically decrease if you do handle yourself properly in these ways that, again, since a doctor said, oh, it's not going to affect your epilepsy, don't even worry about it. Right. I mean, those are all good points. Just because it might not have like an impact in seizure reduction, you know, I and it, I don't think it will have zero impact on seizure reduction. Right. I think a good diet and exercise is good for your body in all kinds of ways, right? Um and even if it doesn't fully resolve your epilepsy, it's going to help you feel good in right. other ways. So yeah. I think the CDC recommendation, um, especially for good brain health, um, and they've geared this more towards like dementia prevention, but I think everyone should be following this, um, including myself. And I'm not that great with it, <laughs> but I think they say 20 to 30 minutes of exercise every day. And it doesn't have to be like training for a marathon. Right. Like walking is fine. You know, ellipticals right. are fine. Um, and just a good diet. You're you're young right now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. what you'll see the importance right. of diet as you get closer to my I'll, age. Yeah, no, I'll- <laughs> I'll figure but, that out. And- but it's also, you know, I think I think it's just good for general health is what I'm saying. It's right. also good for brain health, Wait, yeah. but general health. Right. Yeah. Because, I again, it's it's very hard to get somebody that's in a routine mm-hmm. to think very differently. An approach to food is hard for people. Right. So if you don't know, you're like, all right, screw it. I'm going to eat what I 
think tastes really good. Mm-hmm. But again, there is like this prolonged feeling and, and overall being that you probably should be focusing on. Again, like nobody loves the taste of, or not a lot of people love the taste of protein, but eating protein is not just good for building muscle. It is good for brain right. function. There's a lot and, of things that- And there's other types of proteins. Right. No, there is. I'm always, you know, my mom's always telling me blackberries. Cucumbers, no eat a blackberry. Well, a lot so of beans have now here I am, like eating a blackberry, which yeah. are pretty good, but I like cringe sometimes eating yeah. it because I just it's not mm. what I eat. Cucumbers, I'll do. Yeah. Well, your your sweet chocolate milk has twenty grams of protein, so bottoms up. That's right. Drink, Drink it. it. See how much she's drank. Yeah. She'll say she ate that. Yeah. She doesn't <laughs> eat. That that's yeah. here. We go. A, a plate well, of, yes, a plate you know, of You have to finish that. So now I like it won't eat until like later. Yeah, well, um, no, but no, eat now. I know. Okay. <laughs> but again, like, so even I notice, again, I don't, but I don't have up. any sort of disease like that. But if my day is filled with crazy starchy carbs and a minimal protein and fats, I notice the dramatic spikes in my blood sugar and the dramatic crash mm-hmm. where I'll go two, three in the afternoon. And now I literally feel like I'm going to pass out. Yeah. Like I literally will sit at the table and like, I feel woozy and tired. Those are things that are associated with just what I ate that day or maybe the lack of movement that I had. And I know those things, how good they make me feel. And that's sort of what I wish that that was pushed a little bit more by every doctor to mm-hmm. every patient, regardless of what they have. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. It's in general good, right, right. for everyone, regardless of what condition you have. I mean, I think even myself, if I'm working all day and I like skip breakfast and lunch and then like I go crazy at dinner time, I don't feel good at right. night. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Um, I've <laughs> even tried to force myself like after you get back from work, you got to go to the gym. That's better than sitting down in front of the TV for an hour and just eating. Mm-hmm. You know, the, those are all just things that I think everyone should be doing. And I think you know, uh, they would make a difference. In- yeah, definitely. It wouldn't make a difference probably. But yeah. I'm like. And like small changes said, at one. Like you don't have to do everything at once. But all those yeah. that you said, like you feel like woozy or that John said. Like, yeah. Yes. But definitely am, that should be. That's me. More. Like I won't eat. And I'll to the point where I'm just like, like I want to eat. But it's like I don't. And then like if I have it in front of me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I won't. I can't do it. I don't know why. I just. Well, you have to. Ever. I, mean, I just you never feed, you like feed your body, feed the yeah, brain. I try and like that's what I said, like but the blueberries, like all that or blackberries, like if I could at least get those a couple in my day, I feel like it'll be better than nothing, but I try sometimes. Well, yeah. that's why I think movement is so important, right? Yeah. I, I, again, I'm no doctor, but I would assume that being extremely hungry mm-hmm. and then not hungry at all are both not good, right? There has to be like a homeostasis that you're hungry, you eat satisfaction and then you keep it moving but if i don't move my body all day and i'm used to working out a lot i don't really feel the need to eat either but yeah. i know i have to move my body drink water get my system going so then i am hungry right mm-hmm. yeah no it's a it's a fine balance between movement and and the thing is like the way our culture is currently set up a lot of us are doing desk jobs i'm not sure what your day-to-day consists of but if you aren't moving throughout the day you know then right then yeah there's going to be some fluctuations i mean my situation right now is i don't drive so mm-hmm. i am with my my dog like 24 7 just me and him i'll try and go outside with mm-hmm. him but i will not like i can't walk him yet anywhere like i need someone to, he's a little too i need my husband on my side because he's again like 60 pounds and he'll literally sniff everywhere and everything so i'll i oh, will your bring husband a, or the dog no the dog <laughs> my dog will oh. sniff everything and everything anything and everything um so i i try and like take him out i'll sit out there for like an hour but that's like really 
I'll play with him. And it's really all that I can do. All right. So you do some, do some air squats but when, that's, you, when you're watching. Yeah. I'll run around with him. Yeah. But that's really, I mean, it that's It sounds my like life. he's given you a little bit of, I mean, it's good he, that you guys he, got a dog. Pri- yeah. Prior, I was always sitting around. Yeah. I Yeah. He's really changed like my that is life. Good. That is good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Aside he's really changed my life like since I got him. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people find, of yeah. You know. pets to be helpful in that way yeah. but no but definitely i mean back to what he was saying yeah um moving your body um and just being intentional about what you put in it some people journal what they put down which i know journaling is kind no, of overdone nowadays hard. but <laughs> just keeping track of, of what you're putting in and all that right would be helpful can you can you talk about and you touched on it before and i meant to then we took a break i forgot um and hope this is not in any random order but a seizure, right? Mm-hmm. People have seizures. And I think most people, again, in their mind, visualize that Hollywood grandma seizure, right? But a seizure mm-hmm. has different scales to it, right? So right. what's what's the lowest type of example of yeah. a seizure up to the... Yeah. So instead of saying, you know, this is a minor seizure and this is like a big mm-hmm. seizure instead of that scale, how what I usually say is there's two different types of seizures. Um, so there's... Seizures that are focal and seizures that are generalized. Um, and that also kind of scales us back to seizures versus epilepsy. And this is probably a good time to talk about what a seizure is and what epilepsy really is. Mm-hmm. Because not everyone who has a seizure has epilepsy, mm-hmm. uh, which a lot of people find confusing. And rightfully so. It's not like the easiest concept to grasp. I did two additional tr- years of training to do this. Um, but basically... Everyone has the potential to have a seizure. Like they said, one in 26 people will have a seizure, but not all those people will go on to have epilepsy. Um, Epilepsy is a condition where you're prone to having recurrent unprovoked seizures. That unprovoked part is very, very important. So if you go out, um, you do ecstasy with your friends and you drink too much water and your sodium plummets and you have a seizure, that's not an epileptic, like a natural hmm. epileptic seizure. That's a provoked seizure. Oh, wow. okay. um, if you, you know, if you don't eat for a period of time and your sugar plummets and you've had a seizure, that's also a provoked seizure. Hmm. Um, so Mm. That might be be some of what you're you're actually experiencing. Do you think, think, and sorry, we're cutting you off. Do you think provoke, because maybe like my susceptibility to having a a provoked seizure is less than hers because she has epilepsy? Uh, Yes. So anyone who has epilepsy has the preponderance or is predisposed to having a seizure, any seizure, provoked or not. So if you drink alcohol, you might be fine. You drink alcohol, you'll have a seizure. Right. Um, but that's essentially the difference between a seizure and epilepsy. A seizure is just like a seizure. But if you've had more than two unprovoked seizures, where in two isolated incidences, you, you've had a seizure out of nowhere, then that is an epilepsy diagnosis. Or if you've had one seizure and an abnormal MRI or a seizure and an abnormal EEG. Right. Because there has to be, because I would assume you can always pretend like it was provoked, right? If you, she mm-hmm. had a seizure and- She's like, well, I didn't really eat that much that day or I was dehydrated. It must be very hard for a doctor to be like, well, was that provoked or was that right. not provoked? Yep. Where, where's the line? So at that point, we start digging to see, has this happened before? Right. You know, okay. has this happened before? If it's never happened before, then I do an MRI and EEG. Most doctors okay. do. Because let's say someone's just had a seizure first time in their life, mm-hmm. but you do an MRI and you find a big tumor, you mm. know, then they're predisposed to having mm-hmm. a second seizure. They go on medication. They have epilepsy now, but it's not epilepsy in a sense that they were born with it. It's what we call like secondary epilepsies from the tumor. Got it. Um, or let's say they've had a seizure and you do an EEG and you see the spiky brain waves. 
You're not supposed to have spiky brain waves. Yeah. Brains are supposed to run smoothly on, on electricity. Mm-hmm. So if you do the EEG, your brain waves are supposed to look nice and smooth. When they start looking spiky and irritated, that means they can create seizures. So if you yeah. see those, then that person also goes on medication. So the big difference between seizure and epilepsy is also medication. If someone's just having isolated seizures because they're doing stuff to make themselves have seizures drug, like drugs right. yeah. or toxins or whatever, you don't necessarily have to put them on like a dose of Keppra because you're not preventing anything. You know what I mean? Whereas for the unprovoked folks, you have to give their brain protection against creating a seizure in and of itself. Right. Yeah. Okay. So if I hypothetically, again, I'm not eating, I'm dehydrated, I have a mm-hmm. ton of seizures, you'll notice that in the brain waves that they're not spiky. Correct? Right. Yeah. Okay. So if I see someone who the only time they have seizures is... You know, when they go out, they party too hard or, you know, they're not eating, they're not drinking, they're dehydrated. And that's the only time they're having seizures. My first inkling would be, well, is there something that's predisposing this person to having recurrent seizures? Because there's a lot of people out there. I mean, I myself have gone out there and drank a little too much. You know, I haven't had a seizure. So what separates me from you? Right. 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 Um, So then we do the EEG. And if you are a person who's predisposed to having seizures, you'll see those abnormal brain. Just sitting there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And once I see that, that's okay. So this might just not be you doing this to yourself. This might actually be a be condition. Something. That's yeah. very interesting. And when we well, talk about the binge drinking, staying mm-hmm. up and partying, seizure experience, mm-hmm. again, to help those listening uh, visualize, is it a fall down, tongue out of your mouth, foaming experience, or is it sometimes just sitting and, and feeling yeah. like, Right? Yeah. So, can you elaborate? So, on that? back to the focal and generalized uh, seizures. And the reason I wanted to touch on epilepsy is there's two different types of epilepsy there's focal epilepsy and generalized epilepsy. Focal epilepsy means the seizures are coming from one part of your brain. Um, and they may or may not spread to the other part. If they spread to the other part, it becomes a total tonic clonic big seizure. In generalized epilepsy, the only seizures you're going to have are the big shaking seizures. So it really depends on what type of seizure you have. For some people, seizures can be subtle, where they just sit, they stare, they might lose Mm. awareness for a period of time. They might have some tongue smacking. They might not be able to get words out of their mouth. They might have jerking of one side or the other, and they might not have any idea they're Mm -hmm. doing this. Um, But even on a quote unquote, lower scale level, there are people who don't lose consciousness. Hmm. They know they're having the seizure. Um, they'll, they'll see their arm jerking and they can't control it. So that's another type of focal seizure. Whereas the big tonic clonic ones are, I think, always on the other end of extreme. Like you said, those are probably the highest ones. And the reason I say that is because the injury potential is so much higher on those. You can really hurt yourself if you have a big tonic clonic seizure. I mean, you can hurt yourself with smaller ones as well. That's why Mm -hmm. we tell people, you know, don't swim by yourself if you have epilepsy. Don't sit in the bathtub by yourself. Don't get behind a car, you know, Um, because those smaller ones can lead to big accidents as well. Um, But in terms of a scale of one to 10, I think the grand mal seizures are probably the most dangerous because you can actually physically hurt yourself. Right. And that's where a little bit of a myth or misnomer that you can die from an epileptic seizure. Well, Mm -hmm. is it the 
seizure itself or is it the body action falling and hitting your head on the corner of a table that causes that that other yeah right? i mean it can actually also be both because there is such a thing as sudep sudden unexpected death in pe- epilepsy um, a lot of people are familiar with something called SIDS in babies mm-hmm. where babies just, you know, um, don't wake up. Uh, that also happens in epilepsy. It's called sudden unexpected death in epilepsy. I believe the prevalence is one in a thousand people. So it's not uncommon. Um, myself and some of my colleagues, we've all had patients who have had a big seizure and just passed away from it. And the reason behind that is like those big seizures, they tend to take a lot of demand, right? Like your heart and your lungs have to kind of work together to keep you alive while your body's doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're someone with uncontrolled seizures, if you have frequent seizures, um, if you have really bad epilepsy, um, or if you have seizure- seizures at nighttime where you can actually like choke on a pillow, you're more at risk for SUDEP. Um, because at some point your body stops compensating for that and you can exactly so those are some of the factors that are associated with SUDEP the really bad epilepsy nocturnal seizures um long-standing epilepsy being on a bunch of medications and still having epilepsy but the reality is there are people who have decently controlled epilepsy who are who are also at risk for SUDEP so I tend to counsel everyone about it it's better you know you hear from your doctor that this thing exists um and I think there have been some celebrities in the in the recent media who also have had SUDEP deaths I forget mm. the names but um there have been some um on the okay. Epilepsy Foundation websites, they've mentioned a couple of them. So it is something that happens, you okay. know. And it's important to, listen, to bring this up. And I bring this up for two reasons. One, we're talking here about awareness. Mm-hmm. And, and awareness helps people who may find themselves in this situation be prepared. So now someone's having this seizure in front of you, which is uncomfortable, whether it's in a public setting a private home, or just you know, you're you're just in passing in in the street, and it's a total stranger. What you do in the form of helping that person, right? First thing I think most people think of is uh, they're going to bite their tongue and they're going to choke to death on their tongue. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if that's the most common thing that people render when they see a seizure, we've got to get that person on their side, right? Right. That, Maybe that's the first, if not the first, saying call for help, mm-hmm. right? So call for help, put them on their side. You want to walk through just some of those things that the average person, if they're witnessing this, can help because that'll minimize the situation you just explained about there being death of choking on something, right? Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, there's so much... um there's a push for people to learn BLS and ACLS and CPR and all that when you also are just as likely to see someone with a seizure. So people should be seizure first aid certified as well. Um, So what you said is exactly right. If someone's having the seizure, the first thing to do is to try to stay with them the whole time and call for help, make sure they're safe. So if they're like in the middle of the street or whatever, try to get them away from that, try to get them away from any kind of threats that might, or anything that they can hurt on themselves, right? So if they're by something that's sharp or whatever, just, you know, move them to the side, turn them to the side um, so they don't choke on their own spit or vomit. Um, please do not put anything in anyone's mouth. <laughs> I think people still do this because they're trying to oh, keep them from, 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 yeah, or, yeah, from biting no. off their tongue. You you can macerate your tongue pretty bad. I've seen people really chew up their tongues right. with seizures, oh, yeah. but no one's like chopped off their tongue. Yeah, mm. I know, yeah, I've had that. 
yeah the tongue thing yeah yeah so i think definitely don't put anything in anyone's mouth because yeah. you're more likely to cause them right to have you're gonna a choking incident more, right um loosen up anything around their neck so if they have ties and stuff on just anything to make sure they're not choking on themselves um and that's essentially the big thing if it's someone you know and they have their safety medications on them you can definitely deploy it there are a couple different seizure rescue medications there's nasal sprays um there's a pill that dissolves in the mouth i've talked about this a little bit on my um channel but what I what is that medication yeah so there are two nasal sprays there's one called nasalam and one called valtoco they're basically benzodiazepine sprays um and if someone's having a big seizure, you can just squirt it in their nose and it stops the seizure from oh, happening. Why? What is it doing to the brain? It's a benzodiazepine. It's just a heavy duty Probably, benzo. Yeah. It just shuts the brain off. Yeah. It's a like a high end GABAergic agent. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that, if I wasn't a regular human, I just hit myself when I pass out. <laughs> if no, you only if you have epilepsy, that'll work. So if you hit me with that, I would do no, nothing would happen. It'll sedate you. Oh, You'll feel like yeah, you've yeah, had yeah. a couple of shots. Yes. <laughs> Where can I get this stuff? No, no. <laughs> kidding, oh. kidding. But, um, and then there's also a pill that melts in the mouth. Um, it's usually branded as clonopin, which clonopin? people have heard as. Yes. Yep. Well, that's what you have, Victoria, that's right? You carry, yep. you carry that at all times. Do you have it on you right here now? <laughs> I have my other medication, but yes, I they gave me clonopin in the very beginning. Yeah, it's less yeah. heavy duty than the nasal spray. The fastest way to get to the brain is oh my God, the nose. Is less? Oh right. my God. Well, so she notices symptoms after hours. Like she'll hit the K-pin and then after mm-hmm. the whole day, she pretty much feels very out of it. Is that the same thing with the benzo? Yeah, I mean, like, except that will like knock you out. Right. Especially when if I, you're your size. Oh yeah. yeah, when if I you're first someone started with, it, yeah. I was like... It was bad. I was like, I knocked out. Like I was just, my body felt heavy. Like it was just insane how Mm -hmm. much it affected my body. But you won't pass out. Like how long are you out with the benzo normally? With a benzo, you can be, well, for some people, if it's, if it's while they're having a seizure, Mm -hmm. it'll stop the seizure. And then you'll have your postictal period, which for people can be 30 minutes to an hour. So so it's not going to like out, out you, unless you're someone who's terribly naive to benzodiazepines. Like if you've never had it before, yes, it might take you a couple hours to kind of rebound. But these are essentially the same medications EMS would give you through the IV. They've just compounded it into a nasal substance. If they are there when you're having a seizure. Yeah. So it's almost like having an EpiPen if you were having a life-threatening mm-hmm. allergy. But right. it's, you know, the nasal spray. So if you are with someone and you know that they have epilepsy and you know they have rescue meds, like I'd say deploy it. Um, but definitely also, you know, call 911 if it's not someone you know. You definitely should. Some people have their medical bracelets. A lot of people don't wear yeah. them. Right. If it's somebody you know, yeah, I have one of those. Like Victoria, so. <laughs> and we've witnessed it. It's you just put it in a safe position and let them the have their seizure, yeah, and let it ride out. And it's yeah. agonizing as a parent, especially oh, of let course. Alone a significant other or a family member to watch someone you love go through that. Mm-hmm. But I think again to bring awareness and help, understand that it will pass and they will be okay and they will have their time of recovery. And then we just have to work on proper types of medications and or balancing out what may minimize them and the frequency of them differently. So um, again, if you get caught in that situation and it is a stranger, just do the safe measures best you can call 911. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What was I gonna, oh, cause the first time I saw a seizure, was my buddy who had um, diabetes. Mm-hmm. So it was dramatic. We were drinking, didn't have his pen, dramatic blood sugar drop, mm-hmm. right? That would, that would cause it. And then he had one. And at that point, I didn't really know what it was. And I think 
the, that's a good takeaway is that in most cases, it looks a lot worse than it is. Right. Once it passes, it passes. He woke up. He didn't know what just happened. He ate some food, went to sleep the night, was fine the next day. It was like a little bit groggy, but the yeah. reality, if you see one, I think the best thing you do is just don't, don't panic. Don't freak out because that's going to potentially make things worse if you do things that are kind of exactly. irrational. Yeah. Um, and I think it is, it's important for, if you know somebody that has epilepsy for you to see it firsthand mm -hmm. because it's, it's diminishing every time you see it. Yeah. And don't do, do nothing. I mean, standing there and doing nothing, it makes right. you feel helpless too. So at least something, even moving, you know, the piece of furniture out of the right. way, even turning them on the side, that little Definitely. gesture, that's all you need to do. And that will make you feel better in a very uncomfortable, helpless situation. Right. Yeah. And I think when in doubt, unless this is someone, you know, really, really well, it never hurts to just call 911. Mm -hmm. You never know, you know, especially if it's someone yeah. that looks like they're like not coming back to themselves, if they're turning blue, if it's a pregnant person, like all of those things yeah. are going to be, uh, you know, big red flags to call. Yeah. What do you think the treatment of epilepsy looks like in the future? Um, so a lot of things are changing, um, in a good way. There are a lot more drugs coming out of the pipeline, looking at specific or specific different modalities. Um, some are looking at more hormonal modalities, um, which is kind of nice. Mm. Um, and I know you mentioned hormones with like yeah, the also, yeah, something that you have. I, well, my birth control, that's when I first, we were in the, make, in the middle, like we weren't mm -hmm. sure and I was getting blackouts. And we still weren't sure. I was on, I think, like Kepra at the time or Lamictal, mm -hmm. one of those. Um, and I got off the birth control mm -hmm. and my blackouts went away. And they were saying maybe the birth control was blocking whatever mm -hmm. medication I was on at the time from passing to get, you know, to stop my seizures. Yeah. And then now I have like um, cautious ones. Like and now I just, I feel them, but... You know, I still don't really know where I am or kind of thing. Right. So it depends on my seizure. I, sometimes do yeah. I know where I am, but they're all cautious now. Like they're not blackouts. So I find that another interesting. That's good. I believe it yeah. was. <laughs> I believe it was. I you're, you're not alone. A lot yeah, no, I definitely know. believe it was birthing control. It only makes sense. Yeah. Right away. Right away. And no blackouts after that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. And then a lot of new genetic studies are coming out as well. Like we're testing for more genetic um, conditions. And I think moving forward, there's going to be some like directed genetic therapies for epilepsy, not like specifically trying to fix that gene mutation, but okay. So you have this genetic abnormality and these are the type of seizures that stem from it. Let's see what we can do to try to do a more tailored approach for you. Um, so like I think what? that's kind of what we're going towards, what like more like? personalized treatments. Um, what that would look like is if you're someone with like a specific type of epilepsy secondary to a second, like a specific type of genetic mutation, um, your treatment would be different than someone who does not have that. Mm. But like the actual medication you're taking, you're saying. So really yeah. right now, the only treatment is medication. Is medication and surgery. If you're someone really? who's failed more than two seizure medications, you can always get evaluated for epilepsy oh, surgery. That's what they wanted to do with me. I what's the success rate of that? It depends. It depends on what I type of surgery that's... you're getting. So there's resective surgery where they actually go in and take out the piece of the brain that's creating. <laughs> I look at your face. That's crazy. Uh, and that's literally everyone's face when you talk about that, right? But it's not something <laughs> that you willy-nilly do. Like no one's just going to cut into your brain and take out a piece of tissue. It's it's a long, drawn-out kind of surgical evaluation process to see if you're even a candidate. But that's one type of surgery. 
Um, and then the second type of surgery is to put in stuff to modulate your wow. brain waves. There is something called um, RNS now. It's almost like it's not almost like, but what I explain to people is it's like a pacemaker for your brain. Yeah, that's what um, my so buddy says. Yeah, they wanted yeah. to do to me something like that. They, were yeah, they wanted to test you. Want yeah, they wanted to. Yeah, yeah. And you needed to go through the overnight. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Didn't want to, no, you yes. didn't even do that. It's not something yeah. that um, you know people should be taking lightly. Yeah, it it's more like, of like a long drawn out evaluation process. So there's that. Um, yeah. there's now called something called DBS, which they used to use in Parkinson's disease for tremor. Now they're using it in epilepsy. So there's a lot of wow. devices. Um, and then there's like your generic surgery where they take something out or they ablate something where they thermally ablate pieces of tissue, which is actually kind of cool too. If you're a candidate and you have specific types of epilepsy, so success rate really depends. Um, in general, temporal lobe epilepsy has the highest success for resection. Um, but you know, the brain is very complicated, as we've discussed, Crazy. and it's it's a huge real estate territory. So how are you really going to figure out what area to take out? Right. It really right. just depends. Right. Mm. And so your specific direction, because mm-hmm. you have one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you speak to some of that? So the, the broad stroke of the uh, a way that the industry is going to handle epilepsies, one thing, but then you have this little lane that you want to try to uh, focus on. Yeah, no, I think there's definitely a need for people basing um, treatment, like having a more tailored approach. I think right now what's available for epilepsy is just a bunch of anti-seizure medications. People get trialed and erred on stuff. Um, and I think that's fine. I mean, I've done that before as well. But I think it's really important to try to sit down and talk to someone about when their seizures started, what type of seizures they're having, hormonal implications. Mm-hmm. I really like talking about hormones and epilepsy, especially yeah. in women. Women of childbearing age is like a big thing for me. Um, so that's all stuff that I'm passionate about. And I think moving forward, that is something that I want to do more of um, talking about women and epilepsy <laughs> right i mean it also affects men hormones also affect no, but men I, I but it's a lot more what about seasonal that's Season- what i that's what we're seasonal thinking hormones? seasonal i've spring mm-hmm. i have more than yeah more than like summer winter it's it's absolutely and even my neurologist was saying yeah it's a thing so definitely, I don't think I've seen too much research published on that, but I right. have heard people say it. So like, I'm not going to, you know, say no, that I doesn't just, happen. That's another I think thing I does. find very interesting because that's when, like I had five one day and it was like the very beginning of spring. Yeah. How, how, many, how many physicians are in neurological field, male versus female? I think it's a dominant. Yeah, male? I think no matter where you go in medicine, I think it's mostly male dominated. I, I mean, where... We're in a better place in like the Northeast, right? There's a lot more representation. But I think if you go to certain states down south or even like in middle America, um, it's well, mostly guys. Well, that's why I thought it was interesting when I first heard you speak and we were um, having our epilepsy board conference call. Um, it resonated with me because my daughter obviously has it. My daughter wants to have children. And that was your, your lane. Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, the fact that the hor- hormonal swings and for right. women who are, so that is really cool and interesting and who better to talk about it than a woman about a woman. No, not absolutely. To, right? yeah. So not that the, the male physician can't 
<clears throat> understand it, but we know yeah. who knows a woman better than a woman than another woman. So um, that that was really cool, and so that's um, it's reassuring. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad we got to connect at least you two up and, mm-hmm. and now have these conversations and bring again further awareness to there are these specialties, and and, and this is one of the the lanes that you're going to be pursuing. Yeah, no, and I think definitely part of why I started my like online social media and all of that is I was having so many young women come in and say, oh, I've heard I'm sterile or I can't have kids because I have epilepsy. Mm. And that's just not true. And it's really sad that there are still doctors out there who do talk about it in such a way. Um, No, I mean, I've definitely seen plenty of women, including my own patients, have healthy babies on seizure medications with epilepsy. And doing really, really well. You know, Great. it's just a matter of, well, how your communication with your doctor. You have to get your OB gyne and your doctor, your neurologist hooked up. You have to make right. sure you're on the right medication. Shout out, Doctor Kasibe. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's there's a lot more than like you know just a person who doesn't have epilepsy getting pregnant, but it's definitely doable. Mm. It's not something that's you know. Right. So you, you touched on it. social media. You have sp- platforms. Mm. What's your which one is your, which one would you say, I mean, it's not always measured by followers, although followers do indicate a level of some sort of, you know, success. Right. Where do you find your best content is for people to kind of listen to? Yeah. I mean, I think honestly, TikTok, because it's just easier to post TikTok videos um, and Instagram. Those are the two I use the most. And they're, they're same handle on both. Um, Dr. Billacota, MD, okay. uh, D-R-B-I-L-L-A-K-O. T-A-M-D. Right. So yep. for those who want to uh, for those who want to follow. follow. Well, you're gonna get more followers. <laughs> now you're Yay. gonna get more followers. For yeah. This. No, I mean, I think I think that's good. Like, I mean, followers aside, I, I really just started this as like my own project to mm. sp- spread awareness. And a lot of my patients and old patients also follow me. So that's kind of cool. It. Nice. This is this yeah. is why, again, in addition to my introduction, which was on a Zoom call, I connected with you a lot easier because of the social media piece. Mm-hmm. The fact that you can share in a, in a minute something educational, um, that's informative and easy, that's an easy listen for a novice is, is the value add of why of what we give back to TikTok, other than the fun little things that, Mm -hmm. uh, some of the irresponsible things that go on in social media. This is a very responsible and very informative place. So to the point of even having you on our podcast and the repurposing that we're going to do also on TikTok, which you'll see, it's, um, it's the least we can do, right? Let's, let's, have fun with it, but let's also talk about it so that the next time someone's in a situation, they'll at minimum maybe be a little bit more comfortable and know how to handle the the, the seizure that they may be witnessing. Yeah, right? no, definitely. I think that there's a lot of misinformation out there. And if we could do something to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, fix that yep. a little, it'd be good. Yeah. Good. Oh, yeah. great. Yeah. All right. Well, we wrap up every podcast by asking our guests, two, I guess both these guests, two questions. <laughs> mm-hmm. We want to know... What has been, and this could be anything in life, mm-hmm. and this is going to be a little bit of a deep turn. What has been the lowest of your lows in life? Mm-hmm. And then follow it up with what has been your highest of your highs? Or the most Do humbling you experience? Go first? <laughs> well, that, my lowest is being diagnosed with this epilepsy. Okay. Um, my highest is, uh, my highest is now, where my life is right now. Nice. Wow. Aww, that's, that's, that's so cute. Just building up, like, you know, 
because it's, it's not easy. It was not easy being, being diagnosed. Yeah. It was not easy. My business and on top of that, like then COVID came and it was just, mm. it really, yeah. really screwed me over. So it definitely, you know, now that I'm yep. like just in the middle of where I want to be. So. And congratulations on being married one year. Hooray. That's awesome. Milestone. Again, shout out Jared. <laughs> <laughs> you needed a shout out. Shout out. Shout out, Jared. We'll clip that one so it's easy. <laughs> and also, and by the way, so we have, she's planning a wedding. We didn't talk about that. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a journey. Actually, I mean, TikTok's I was, taught I me a grateful. lot about wedding planning. I was very grateful. <laughs> I had my mom and Diana help me like, because oh. I'm, I just wanted the one thing. I just... My theme was Beauty and the Beast. So just give me, if I like it, just you can oh do my it. Gosh. You know what I, I mean? That. Like, I'm very simple like that. Like, I'm not, you know, as long as it looked good, yeah. I liked it. It wasn't very. TikTok's been helping me. I think the algorithm and figured Pinterest. out that I've been looking at like it wedding sure stuff has. and very scarily now all my videos are. Pinterest too. Yep. Yeah. Pinterest. Okay. Oh my God. Yeah. You'll right. get a bunch of, yeah, definitely. Yeah. A lot of <laughs> like. And ideas and it's expensive is all i'm gonna say yes That's probably uh, more than i planned for I, I was but say, you're, you're, <laughs> yes. you're in a deficit between the education right? yeah. the education yeah. loans and now the fact you're gonna get married no but it's fun yeah. it's only a day it's, it's fun yeah. and you know i'm very lucky i i have a great family who's very supportive and is helping so that's all you need that's all you need you need good family and support um okay so the lowest i've been is probably right before medical school actually because i did it, so this might speak a lot to some people who are on the medical school journey um when i took my mcats i did not do well um and i actually didn't apply to too many us med schools but i applied to a few and i didn't get into them and so i was speaking with my career counselor at ucla which anyway and he was like you just don't seem smart enough for medicine oh, like wow. maybe you should do something else right and i was devastated no, i was you- devastated i cried I was like, you know, I called my mom. I'm like, this guy says I'll never be a doctor. And that's what I've always wanted to do, you know, which poo-poo on him. I, mm. I hope he's you having the life wrong. he deserves. But <laughs> you proved him wrong. Right? So I was like, okay. And at that time, I think now a lot more people are going to Caribbean med schools. That was something my dad took a chance on. You know, he said, fine, I'll pay for it. Like, whatever you want to do, you know, just pursue it. He's a great father. Um, so I did it. Um, and I think the highest I've been, like you said, is right now because I'm doing what I love. I live in New York City, um, mm-hmm. which I'm very happy about. I would not want to be anywhere else, maybe Jersey City. Close <laughs> enough. <laughs> and I'm engaged to a great guy. Yeah, you know, nice. we're planning a wedding. So, you know, everything I think has worked out pretty well. But that was probably the lowest I've been. So I guess case in point, don't let people tell you what you can't do. Right. Yeah, before you <laughs> want to give your fiance a shout out. Yes. Come on. Uh, shout out to Aubrey. <laughs> shout out Aubrey. 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 Yeah, yeah. He's he's a he's a good guy. He deals with me well. Let's say yeah. that's what you need. Jared that's what does you need. The same. Excellent. We're very uh, excellent. Yeah, so like now, feminism aside, I, yes. I can be a lot. <laughs> so now we have to tell Aubrey. He's got to listen to a whole episode of this because yes, we I talk just about him at the, we won't tell him when you just need to tell him well we talked about you Aubrey and you know and you, I'll, you I'll say I won't tell you tell what we friends. said you're just gonna yeah, have to listen gonna have 50 goddamn minutes when I says <laughs> <Yeah, right. laughs> and my name's <laughs> at the very end he's well, like when okay. do you guys start drinking I thought this was a drinking podcast <laughs> well, this is a morning episode we have to do we'll have to do a follow up one in, uh, later in the day 
So yeah, following this episode, we have another person coming in. That'll be oh a, nice. A little bit easier to uh, you know make a cocktail. But anyway, that sounds good. Well, this is great. Thank you both. Of Thank you. you. Uh, I was very intrigued by everything you had to say. And awesome. Very informative yeah. And insightful. So hopefully the audience feels the same way. But yeah, that's it. Like, subscribe, share. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks. No one likes to talk about money. Am I saving enough? Can I buy a house? Am I paying too much in taxes? Will I be able to retire? What if you could unlock insights about your finances in less than five minutes with a clear picture of where you stand today and where your money can work harder? Now you can. Visit facet.com to take the free quiz and get your financial wellness score today. That's F-A-C-E-T.com. This ad is sponsored by Facet. Facet Wealth Incorporated is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency, where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. I'm Mark Gordon, Republican governor of Wyoming. And I'm Michelle Lujan Grisham, Democratic governor of New Mexico. We're here to talk about one of our oldest, most cherished American traditions. We're talking about disagreement. Our country was founded by people who disagreed on just about every issue. And yet they still got the job done. By asking questions, listening, and staying curious. There's one thing we hope we'll always agree on. That it's okay to disagree the right way. A message from the National Governors Association.